The Holy Gospel according to John. Glory Glory to you, O Lord. The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then said to him, what sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, This temple has been under construction for 46 years, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. The Gospel of the Lord. I'd like to invite the children to come forward for the children's sermon. Good morning. So I've got a question for you. Have you guys ever seen a sign like this? Yeah, a stop sign. What does it mean? Stop. But what if I'm in a hurry? Does it still mean stop? Okay, let's try another sign here. Oh, not that one. This one, speed limit 65. So that tells us how fast we can go, right? Should go that fast, we shouldn't go any faster. So that's a speed limit sign. So we've got stop and we've kind of got go. But here's a different sign. Some of these kinds of signs may be signs near your schools too. It says school at the top. Speed limit 25 when children are present. Hmm, now i got to think, right? The other sign was just stop where it was 65, but this one now, I've got to start paying attention to what? What do I have to start paying attention to? Yeah. We've got to look and see if there are other people around, what other people are doing. Today, in the readings that we have for today, we hear about the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments are rules that God put in place for us to live our lives because God knows that we live our lives around other people that we have to be paying attention to. And so we have to be careful and we have to be thoughtful so that we might help them and not harm them. So this this sign kind of reminded me of this, that it's a sign that reminds us to pay attention to those around us. Let's say a prayer. Gracious God, help us to live our lives paying attention to all those around us, those who are in need, those who are hurting. We ask that you would walk with us, that we might help them. Amen. Hey, you guys can go back to your seats. So today's text, we've got a a lot of things going on. We have probably one of the more famous passages in the Ten Commandments. Everybody knows the Ten Commandments, right? If you grew up in the Lutheran tradition, the first phrase that pops into your mind is, what does this mean, right? That's how you filled out your confirmation quiz, right? You just kind of wrote that down on everyone because everyone 
had at least that to start with, and then there was more that followed. It's interesting in the text that three-quarters of the passage is oriented to what we as Lutherans and our brothers and sisters in the Roman Catholic tradition understand as the first three commandments. Three-quarters of the text for three commandments. All about our relationship with God. The other quarter are for the seven that apparently didn't need a lot of explanation. And they're kind of like that stop sign, right? Don't do this. Don't do that. We get up in the morning and think, you know, I didn't kill anybody yesterday. I must be in the top half. Easy. Easy. Luther, in his catechism, in fact, if you look in your red hymnal, page 1160, way in the back, pulling back an old tradition among Lutheran hymnals, is Luther's catechism inside of it. It begins with the Ten Commandments. And the part that comes after the what does this mean, as Luther interprets this text for all of us, is he writes the passage in the affirmative. Not just, what should we not do, but what should we do? What are the things that we ought to be about? Not just, I didn't kill somebody or I didn't steal something, but what should we be doing? And I kind of summarized his responses here to the Ten Commandments because I think they're helpful because they do challenge us in how we ought to act. We are to love God first and always above all else. We are to call on God by name in prayer and need. We are to listen to God's word. We are to serve and honor our parents and all in authority. We are to heal and support all in life's needs. We are to live healthy lives and honor our partners. We are to help those around us to keep and improve their property and income. We are to speak well of all and interpret everything everyone says and does in the best possible light. We are to be content with what we have and serve our neighbors so they might keep what is theirs. We are to encourage our neighbors' family, friends, and colleagues to remain loyal to them and encourage them to fulfill their covenants with one another. It's just that. You know, it's just that stuff that we're supposed to be about. It's not easy. It's something that we're about every day of our lives, things that can kind of wear us down, the things that we go to bed at night in the evening thinking, I do this perfectly. It's a good thing there's another day tomorrow where I can kind of give it another run and see where we might be. It's the kind of thing that calls us to gather once a week in worship, confessing to God and saying, I didn't hit it quite right this week. How can I do better? There is this challenge in this season of Lent of how we walk together in a way that causes us to draw closer to God and our relationship to God and causes us to draw closer to our neighbors so that our relationships in community might be more whole as God has called them to be. Well, that's the Ten Commandments. It's not often that we reach back to Exodus and say, what does this bring for us today? But it sets the foundation 
for the gospel text that we have. And it's a very different gospel text. It comes up just once in the three-year cycle. And it's different. Usually when we think of Jesus, we get this kind of homogenized version of Jesus where he's in this super white robe and he's got this kind of blue beauty pageant sash on. His hair is always blow-dried. He walks everywhere in slow motion. And he's always with lambs and children, never even adult sheep. This soft guy who's nice to everyone. That is not the text that we have today. The text that we have today, Jesus comes in. The second chapter, right at the beginning of the Gospel, Jesus comes into Jerusalem, goes to the temple, and the very first thing that He does is He makes a cord of whips. He makes a weapon. He makes something to drive people and animals out. This is not the Jesus that we normally see, but we see someone who is angry, who is frustrated, who sees a need to change the relationship between God and God's people. So this is not an easy thing that Jesus is doing. Think about the last time that you went into maybe a store, went to Ikea perhaps, and you started knocking over displays, pushing over tables, throwing cash registers down onto the ground. Usually that kind of scenario then involves the you know, police <laughs> who help you schedule the next several months of your life as to how you might be in your Lenten discipline in a more perhaps solitary retreat. But as we look at the text, Jesus is doing something that is radical. There is a sense that the rules have been called back to what God called us to be about. All of these rules. There are times that we like rules. Other times that we don't. I remember seeing a great... It's either a t-shirt or a bumper sticker that had this great slogan on it. It said... Gravity, it's not just a good idea, it's the law. <laughs> and sometimes we like laws, right? It helps us plan things out. But in our orientation towards God, oftentimes we come up with lots of laws and rules. And it helps us feel like things are in our hands. If I just follow the steps the right way in my relationship towards God, if I just pull the right levers, then God has to act on my behalf. God has to show love and mercy. But that's not the way our relationship with God works. Our relationship with God is far more direct. It doesn't involve money changers and sacrifice. We see this anger in Jesus for the separation between God and God's people. That's a bringing back of sorts. The idea that God is put first before prophets, before rules perhaps that we make. And that's always in that messy in-between 
place. As we move through these days and weeks of Lent, we are mindful of all the things that God has called us to be, and we are mindful that God has called us to be oriented towards God. Not towards ourselves. Just like those signs that we showed, stop or go. The relationships that we have with one another and towards God depend on us paying attention to those around us. Mindful that in our human brokenness, things aren't going to be perfect. But challenged nonetheless to walk in a way that brings us close to God and orients us towards our neighbors. So during this season, be mindful of God calling you to return, as we often say in the Gospel acclamation. Mindful to return towards God, to turn away from ourselves, to turn towards our neighbors. Amen.